stuff. Let's give him a hand. We're so glad he and his wife Christine are here with us. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. Good morning. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And even greater to see your friends. I mean, Lucas and, and Amy, they have been good friends of ours from the very first day that we met. We thank the Lord for bringing them here and thank God that uh, just a few weeks ago, I called him. I said, we just came from the mission field from the Philippines. And I, I said, we'd love to visit your church and share ministry there. And Pastor Lucas was very uh, generous to, to give this time for our family to share to you our heart and our call in the Philippines. Thank you so much. Well, my name is Reuel, R-E-U-E-L. I've been called Roel, Raul, Rauel. You can call me anything, just don't call me late for dinner. I'd always be there. But Ruel means, it's a Hebrew name called a friend of God. And my wife Christine is with me here, so I'd like to ask her to stand. So for, do you recognize Christine? Wife, for almost 27 years next month, we praise God. We have two girls, Debbie and Denise. They are not here with us. This is kind of new for us, too, because when first came to the United States in 2003, a church in Indiana, Hillcrest Baptist Church, sponsored our family. They were two and three years old, and they have been with us while we were traveling, raising funds for the pastors in the Philippines. But only this year, for the past two years, they decided to stay in the United States. Our Debbie's 23 years old, used to be 21, but uh, two years ago she graduated college in the Philippines and decided to work in a local restaurant in Richmond, Indiana. She loves to create songs, write songs, so she's on Spotify and Instagram and all those uh, great stuff. And our daughter Denise, also with her sister, said, Dad, can I transfer from a university in the Philippines to a university here in the United States? Well, that was two years ago, and I said, well, if we can afford it, and number two, if they will transfer you as a junior, continuing junior, and Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, accepted her as a junior transferee almost two years ago with almost tuition free. Praise God. Praise God. Denise is graduating now this December at Liberty University with graphic designs. We saw her this past week. In fact, we came from Lynchburg yesterday. We spent about five days with her and, uh, a few weeks ago, when we were still in the Philippines, she uh, sent me a short message and said, Dad, I'm so excited to see you. I have never heard that from my daughter. The problem was, I was so excited to ask her why. And she said, I want you to meet someone. And that just melted my, my world. I said, uh-oh. But I had to see that boy in the eyes of our daughter. So I told that boy yesterday before we left Lynchburg, Virginia, I said, you know what? I love you too because my daughter loves you. And I think that's the love that God needs for each one of us to have. We might not like the people around us, the people we work with, even our family sometimes or our neighbors. But we have to look at them in the eyes of Jesus. And that's how we were called to the Philippines to become missionaries. We're church planters. And we praise God. If you go to the next slide, Brother John, please. The next slide will show you here my grandfather, which all started it back in the Second World War. You see, the Amer America gave the Philippines three important things. You gave us our language. In fact, English is a second language in the Philippines among 150. Because we are separated with islands. And the 7,000 islands in the Philippines have different languages. 
But English is our second language. In fact, if you call your phone carrier many, many times, a Filipino in the Philippines would answer that customer service. We have been taught English from preschool and elementary high school and college, and the Philippines is the only English-speaking country in Asia. We thank you for bringing us the language, English. You've also given us our independence. Today, we are in an independent country because of the United States of America, soldiers dying left and right just to give us our independence from the Spanish of 400 years. I know we lost that battle with Japan, but General Douglas MacArthur said, I shall return, and he did. And praise God, we won that battle back. And that's how the Second World War, uh, we won it in the Philippines. And jeeps were left in the Philippines. And, you know, we didn't do anything, didn't know how to do with the jeeps that you left in the Philippines. And you know what we did? Eventually, they became our public transportations. So we extended the jeeps to jeepneys like these. And these are public transportation. It can actually sit about 20 people. But when you see people on top of the, of the thing, it can sit 50 in the Philippines. What I have with me here is a, uh, a hat, obviously. But it's uh, made of straw coming from rice fields. You see, rice is a staple in the Philippines. And when they plant rice, they have to use this because it's very hot in the Philippines, being a tropical country. The Philippines only has two seasons. I always say the hot season and the hotter season. So we came from Indiana two weeks ago, in Virginia this past week, in South Carolina, and we will be in Georgia and Alabama here in a few days. So it gets better because it's cold. It's not our thing in the Philippines. We're not used to wearing all those thick stuff. And it's interesting that Americans has given us our independence back in the Second World War. It was in that time when my grandfather was also a farmer, a rice farmer, where he also trained as a soldier side by side by an American, not knowing that he is also a Gideon's missionary. That Gideon's missionary shared the gospel with my grandfather, John chapter 3. My grandfather, along with my grandfather, a grandmother, they were newly married during that time, and they gave their lives to the Lord. But their families didn't like it because the, Roman, the, the Philippines, being a very traditional, ceremonial, ritualistic Roman Catholic country, didn't like other religions, if you may say. So their families disowned them back in the Second World War, and they lived a very poor life. In fact, one by one, their babies died because of malnutrition and poverty. But my grandparents prayed to God earnestly, God, you help us in the time of need. When they had this very first boy, two years old during that time, having high fever back in the early 50s, they prayed to God and said, God, if you let this young boy live, I promise to become a preacher in this town about three hours outside Manila called Tanay in the province of Rizal. That young boy grew up to be the very first preacher tika in the, with the children. My grandfather answered the call to start the very first Baptist church in Tanay. And that next slide will show you that. The Tanay First Baptist Church. Now we're born five boys from the first boy, followed by another one, followed by my father eventually. And two more boys all became preachers and full-time church planters with the, their, their father. And three girls. One married a preacher. And all the eight had 15 boys, including myself and my brother. And we are all full-time in ministry, church planting. I've got two nephews who are pastoring with their dads even today. So four generations of pastors, preachers, church planters came out of this family. It's hard to imagine that years and years ago, it was just my grandparents. It all starts with one voice. That makes a choice for Jesus Christ. When I get to heaven, 
I would love to see Jesus Christ face to face. But you know, the second person I wanted to see was that missionary who shared the gospel, my grandfather. I would just say thank you, because you never thought that one small Bible could change our entire legacy. Obviously, we have two girls. They can't be pastors. They don't want to be pastors. So I told them, I said, okay, let's make a deal. Just marry preachers, okay? And I don't know. I have not been successful yet. So pray for us. <laughs> the next slide will show you a picture of 1975. 1975, the 50th anniversary of my grandparents. They died shortly after that. All the, the boys with a circle will be the five preachers, the five pastoricas. My dad will be on top, left with my mom, with the glasses. That's my dad, Pio, and my mom, Yolanda. Before our dear brother John goes to the next slide, I want you to guess where I am. I'll give you a hint. I'm seated in the front row. Four boys in the front row. See the four boys in the front row? The first boy was not me because he turned his back around. That's my cousin Roly, who's pastoring in Bataan. Remember the Bataan death march in the Second World War? He, he's pastoring there. So he didn't like this flash in his eye. So during that time, if you don't know, especially the kids... There's a big flash when the photographer says one, two, three. And so he turned his back around. That's not me. So the second boy, third boy, or the, the fourth boy. It'll be the left, the center, or the right. Left, center, or right. Who among you says, I'm the left side right here. Right beside the boy who turned his back around. So am I here on the left? Am I in the center? Or am I on the right? Who says I'm the left, left part? Say, raise your hand. Thank you. Center, center, all right. Right. Okay, let's vote again. You can change your answers. <laughs> left, who says left? All right, there you go. Center, all right, right. Thank you. Go to the next time, Brother John. I was at the center. I was five years old. Imagine. I never knew what to do. You know, during that, that, those times, I told Pastor Lucas, I said, I ran around during Sunday school. I was the headache of my teacher. You know, thank God she didn't kill me. But I was just, the, I always had that time with my dad after service. My dad is a preacher. And he would always scold me after church saying, don't do that. And, you know, I grew up like that. But never, so we thank God for Sunday school teachers and those who teach kids. Be patient with them. They might be a preacher soon. You'd never know. The 45 or 46 years after that, I would never imagine I'm going to be standing in front of you preaching the gospel. When I surrendered my, my, myself to become a full-time preacher, that same Sunday school teacher cried again. And she cried with joy that I became a preacher. From 15 years ago, when we went back to the Philippines, we started planting churches. And by the grace of God, we planted nine churches and all of our members right now are making me cry because, you know, it's, they're making it hard for me now. I think it's payback time. But you never know what God will do. Amen. The next slide will, will be a slide that will be what we will be uh, uh, sharing with you this morning. This is the Tika family. That's our family. It's a building that we are right now using for the past eight years. When we started 15 years ago, we were just in a small house. Well, you'll see that small house here uh, later. But our next door neighbor said to us, proposed to build a building for us, which is that building. The next uh, slide will show you that the Philippines is an island archipelago by the Pacific Ocean around China, Vietnam. We are right by Indonesia, right by, by Burma, and all those countries. We're in the Southeast Asia. 
The Philippines, if you put them all together, the islands, the 7,000 islands, the size of it will be like Arkansas. But we have 110 million people living in the Philippines. Arkansas, I think, barely has 5 or 6 million. You see, in the, in the Philippines, I think we really took to heart when God says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. We just have a lot of people. You saw that during the, the presentation here. We just I have a lot of people in the Philippines. The next time we'll show you that city where we were called by God to plant the very first, the very first church to become church seven days a week. Right here. That small apartment, when, when we rented that apartment, we repainted it. And I just had a dream that God is calling me to start a church that would function seven days a week. I told my dad about it. My dad said, where did you get that idea? Well, I said, number one, it's in Acts chapter 2, which I'm about to share right now. Number two, the Philippines is a Roman Catholic country. I don't know here in Florence, but in the Philippines, Catholic churches are open every day for mass, for, for services, and for just for being there and meditate upon prayer. So I said, you know, let's open our church every day. That's my thought. And Filipinos are very relational, very social. If you've met a Filipino nurse or a therapist, if, you're, if you know of any Filipinos here, you know that we are bubbly people. We talk a lot. We, we, we laugh a lot. Because it, we say it's more fun in the Philippines always. And people say, why do you talk a lot? Why, why do you laugh a lot? Because in the Philippines, because of the many people there, we don't have food to eat. So we just talk and laugh it out. <laughs> Church seven days a week was our dream. Church, seven days a week. But if you see the word church there, it's filled with people. Because really, church is not the building, but the body of Christ. Church is not the location, but really the living organism where we go. So right now, one person is speaking. But after Pastor Lucas closes in prayer, about 200 of us you know, will be sent out to become churches wherever we are. And we are more effective because we go to this city and county to preach Christ in so many different ways and means, showing the gospel, the good news, to people around us. But we made it literal in this first church plan that we started. So the next slide, few slides, will show you how we did it from the small house. Go to the next slide, uh, Brother John. We served free coffee every day. We set up a small tent outside, and that's how we met neighbors. At 6 o'clock in the morning, we served free coffee. In the Philippines, coffee is very expensive, especially if it's brewed like yours here. So when they see that brewing, they just come. And I meet with men every single day, sharing them the gospel, praying with them every single day. That's how we met these men and disciple them every single day. At 8 o'clock, we close the coffee shop place and go to the study room. So the next slide, we'll show you that study room. Every day, there are three public schools in our, in our city, three public schools with about 5,000 students each, elementary and high school. And they would come to use internet in our church because it's free. We have about five or six computers that we use for free. Because in the Philippines, they don't have internet or computers in their homes. So there they can print, even print. But before they do, they share, we share the Bible with them. Every day we have a minimum of 50 students lined up to use the computers. We share the Bible with them and then they can use the computer. And they've got a homework also with the Bible. So every day we have Sunday school. We have Monday memorization of the Bible, Tuesday's Bible drill, Wednesday's Bible quiz, Thursday's Bible stories, Friday's book by book, and we study the statement of faith on Saturdays. Every single day it happens. When we close that at 5 o'clock, we set up chairs outside by the roadside, and the next time we'll show you that picture on how we do worship every single night in that old house. No one of our neighbors are complaining because everyone has been a member of this church. 
Even the town captain loves what we're doing because we pray for her name every day. We pray for him or for them. And the government officials that we do this every single day. We are on YouTube. If you can check that out on YouTube, the channel is Church Seven Days a Week. Church, the number seven days a week. Twice a day, every single day, that YouTube channel is, is active. You'd, you'd see them or hear them, most of them speak in Philippine in our language, but you get the idea of church seven days a week. The next slide will show you a picture of our preachers that have been developed in the past 15 years. I was able to train them, being called by God to salvation and to full-time ministry. Praise God, one of our preachers right now are preaching the word every single day. From these 24 preachers have been called pastors. So that's where we started church planting two, three, four, up to church number nine today. The next slide will show you that picture where we have all these kids being trained by my wife from, from there were three or four years old. Every Sunday she would have that kids' church, and it's a great, great idea to share the gospel with these children. The next slide will show you that picture of the nine churches that we planted only by the grace of God. It's up in the mountains, by the river, in the islands. It's all over the Philippines. And why do we continue church plant? Because 7,000 islands is hard to cover just with one big church. We have to train nationals that speak the language that we can send them to their own islands to plant that church. The next slide will show you that picture of our outline for this morning. Church seven days a week. I already gave it out so you can at least understand what we're trying to say up here. Acts chapter 2, just the first or last five or six verses in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, I'm going to read from the King James. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that were believed, that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Verse 47 says, praising God, and having favor with all the people. So the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Let's bow for a second of prayer. Lord, we thank you for giving us this time that we can share your word, not only here at Southside, but those watching online streaming. I pray, God, your blessing be upon us. Hide me behind your presence. I can't do this alone, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts as I speak to their ears. And your name be praised, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The very first church in the book of Acts chapter 2 started in Jerusalem. Where Jesus Christ has promised the Holy Spirit that they would remain together in Jerusalem in spite of the people looking out for them. Why? Because the Roman soldiers were looking after all these followers because they are blaming them for hiding the body of Jesus Christ which has already been resurrected. So they were there in their upper room probably frightened probably afraid, but not only 12. There were about 120 of them, disciples who were faithful to the end. They were just meeting there and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, sure enough, they had a boldness and the courage to go down the streets of Jerusalem to preach the gospel. Every one of them, and not only that, they actually spoke in the language of the people in that city of Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem will be probably like a bigger city. I would say probably here in South Carolina, probably, uh, uh, what's a bigger city here? Columbia. There you go. With the university and with all the people, folks, from all over the world. Imagine that. So they were also empowered by the Holy Spirit, not only to preach the gospel, but to preach the gospel in the tongues, in the languages that the people would really understand them. They were not speaking in tongues, babbling, which is a language could not be understood. They were actually speaking in their language as evidenced by Acts chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. There were about 13 nations gathered there, listening to them and then saying, How can we hear them speak in our language where we were born from? And they said, Aren't these fishermen? Aren't these uneducated? How can they do that? And they all concluded, oh, they must be drunk. Now, that's what Peter stood up in verse 13. You don't, you don't want to make Peter angry. Peter stood up and said, wait a minute. We're not drunk. It's noontime. We're preaching the gospel. He began prophesying the prophet Joel and King David. And in verse 36, Peter, Peter said, you know what? That Jesus Christ, whom you have crucified, has God made both Lord and Christ. That's when their hearts got pricked in verse 37. And they all inquired and said, what do we do? You know what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 30, 38? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. No, wait a minute. Be baptized. Sorry. Be baptized, every one of you. You know, it's nice to think, you know, to, for them to become Baptists. That's fine. But Baptists could not bring you to heaven. Even this denomination. And I tell you this. We are not a perfect denomination. You know, Baptists are also imperfect because they're all made by men. But I'll tell you this. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not. It's made by God. It's a profession of your faith, inward faith to Him. And about 3,000 of them. Were baptized. Can you imagine? If only the apostles were, were baptizing 12, uh, 3,000, only the 12 of them at this time, 12. You divide that 3,000 by 12, they would be baptizing at least 200 plus each. Joined by the other disciples, probably 120 of them plus 12, they would still be baptizing about 12. So they, they were just baptizing one after the other, one after the other, but they were not tired because this was happening for the very First time. They haven't seen this happen. You know what they did? They were just obedient to the call and cause of Christ. I wanted to share that to you this morning. To become church seven days a week. We do not need to serve free coffee outside. Or serve the students with free internet. Or, or probably serve services outside. Because people here don't need that. And people here are not, you're not in a context to do that. We are in the Philippines. But this church right here I'm talking about will be you and me. The Christians in Corinth tend to forget that. So the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Therefore glorify God in your body which is not your own. It's God's. Wherever you are, you take church with you. Amen? And that's what Christ-centered means. Christ-centered means church continues after church. Can we say that? One, two, three. Church continues after. Does that make sense? Wherever you are, you take church with you. 
And that's a Christ-centered life. You say, Brother Tika, that's difficult. That's challenging. That's hard. Well, sure it is. Because once you enter the church here at Southside, we don't wear a robe that says Christian at the back. And at the end of the service, we take it off and say, see you next Wednesday. No, whenever we receive Christ in our heart, he comes in and he stays here. This body becomes his temple. So living a Christ-centered life, meaning we take church with us. Letter H of the word church is not only Christ-centered, but home-focused. I love that when the Apostle, Apostle Peter said, verse 39 of Acts chapter 2, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Praise God, the promise of salvation comes to you and to your children. That's a responsibility right there, but it's a promise. You may not have children who are not in the Lord today. You may have children right now. You know that it's away from the Lord, but there's a promise that your child will come back to Christ. There is a promise here that the promise of salvation goes to you, through you, and to your children. So be home focused. You know who we want to see in heaven? I don't know about you, and I'm sure we will all agree to this. We all want to see our family in heaven, don't we? We want to see our neighbors, our friends, our classmates, our business partners, workmates, of course. But we want to see our family in heaven. You may have children right now who are not in the Lord. But I'll tell you this, Acts chapter 2 verse 39 promises that they will be. Just be home focused. Pray for your children. My father, when he was a teenager, was the black sheep of the family. He didn't want to be a preacher. In fact, he was a womanizer. He was a drunkard. He, he, he played all the gamblings and he danced all night. And whenever he goes home at 2 or 3 in the morning, he would always go home drunk. And as a teenager. And he would just fall lay back in his uh, flat right on the floor. And then after a few minutes, he would, he would feel in his face warm drops of water. And he would open his eyes. And this happens almost every night. He was telling me this. It would be his mother praying for him to return. And he did. And he did. You know, however difficult your child has been to you, pray for him. Pray for her. Because the promise of salvation runs to them too. Be home focused. Letter U in the word church is the word unique. We have all been uniquely placed by God wherever you are. We have different functions. We know that. You have a different function. We have a different function. But you know what? Where, where pastors can't go, you can. Where you can't go, we can't. Where you can go, the Tika family can. But where we can go, you can't. We have all been uniquely placed by God in this body called the church. And it's interesting that we may have different color skin, Different color of hair, even different language and culture, and different food, balut. Balut is B-A-L-U-T, balut. You go to, uh, the number one on YouTube will be the fear factor. Unbelievable, why they put that in fear factor? We eat that every day. It's an unhatched duck egg. So it's a whole duck inside, you know. But it's, it's, it's good, you just don't look at the egg, just eat it. So, <laughs> but we promise when you go to the Philippines, we will not feed you that. Okay? Promise. I hope. 
But we've all been uniquely placed in the body of Christ to do exactly what he wants you to do. You may be saying, but Brother Tika, I can't, I'm not capable of doing anything. No, you're, you are. You've been uniquely placed where you are as a church to function according to God's will. Letter R, the word church, is to be relational because our God is relational. After he built everything in the world, God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Remember Genesis chapter 6? When the sin of the world came to God, there were so many that God told Noah to build an ark. And he did in Genesis chapter 7 and 8. And in verse 9, everybody died because of the flood. Only Noah's family came alive. Him and his wife, three boys, and their, and their wives. Eight of them. If I were God, I would have told Noah, Noah, stop there. Don't recreate anymore. That's it. But God is a relational God. So he said, be fruitful. The same goes from, from Adam to Noah to the day. Because God is a relational God. We have to be relational. A preacher said, share the gospel. If necessary, use words. Many times, our actions will speak louder than our words. And that smile on your face, that handshake in the morning, that simple, short, hello, hi, will do something in the hearts of the people that need it most at that moment. Be relational. Let us see the word church will be that community where God has called Southside to be. We are a community because we have something in common. We, we commune with each other, our needs, we pray for one another, and our communion is with God. And finally, church will not be complete without doing it from the heart. You know what happened here in Acts chapter 2? When they did everything from the heart, you know what happened? They never prayed for or did anything to cause a revival. They were just obedient to what God was telling them. But you know what happened here? Especially in verses, in verses 45 and 46 of what was that we read? They sold everything they had and gave to all those who are in need. Because they did it from the heart. I kiddingly say the reason why they met every day because they sold their houses and they don't have any house anymore to go back to. But that can be a joke, but it could happen over 2,000 years ago when they sold everything. I remember what my grandfather prayed when that two-year-old, my uncle, was about to die of high fever. He said, God, we don't have anything we don't have anyone but you. Many, many times, he's all we need. Many, many times, the things that we have in our, in our lives hinder us to seeing what God really wants. And many, many times, he takes those things away, people away, for us to see him clearly. When that happened... They sold everything because in their hearts, in their minds, all they need was God. Let me give you an encouragement to become church seven days a week. Wherever we go, reach out to someone who needs the Lord. And as we continue in the Philippines, would you remember to pray for the Tika family also? We have cards outside here by the foyer. We have pictures of our ministry we want to give you to take home. We may not see you here again. But one thing is for sure, because of your giving to missionaries and missions like ours, you will see even brown-skinned, black-haired Filipinos like us coming to you in heaven saying thank you for giving to the Lord. 
I am a life that has changed. Going back to the building that we are using today in the Philippines of church number one, that church right here was built by our neighbor. She came to me eight years ago and said, let me build a building for you. I said, what do you mean? I've never talked to her, never seen her. So she wrote a contract with her lawyer, my lawyer. We sat down and my lawyer asked her, are you a member of this church? And she said, no. And my lawyer said, are you a Christian? And she said, no. My lawyer asked the question, why are you even building a church for this church when you're not a Christian nor a member of this church? Well, she said this. You know, it's hard to believe what you believe. And I learned that she's an atheist. She said, it's hard to ignore what I see you do every single day. You're changing this community for the better. You know, for the past eight years, I've given her, our landlord, five Bibles whenever we met. But she would never read it. She would not even take it many, many times. I would pray with her, and she would not even join me in prayer. But last year, October 4th, did something that I've never seen God do before in her life. When we sat down, I opened Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and I said, are you, are you okay? I'm going to read to you a verse. And verse 13 says, the whole duty of man is to fear God to keep his commandments, to fear God, meaning don't be frightened by God. He's not a ghost. But reverence him, acknowledge him that he's a person. Do you believe this? He said, yes, for the first time. And then I said, to keep his commandments means Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life. The one comes to the Father, said, by me. You believe that he's the only way, the truth, the life. Would you like to accept Christ in your heart? He said, yes. I was surprised. So we prayed in that half coffee shop, prayed the sinner's prayer. She gave her life to the Lord. And she said, this property will be for sale to you next year. It will be this year. For $400,000, a 3,300-feet property with a, with a building. She's selling it to us. used to be for $400,000, being in a state university in the Philippines. Very expensive there. But she gives it to us now for 198000 You know, when we go back in June and she wants to be baptized, she might give this for free, won't she, Pastor? You think so? Amen. <laughs> See? We think the same way. We're Baptists. But I'll tell you this. I'd rather give her the $198,000 because that's no problem with God. Because I want her to believe in the God that would supply all her needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, $198,000, what is that? To God who owns a cattle of a thousand hills. One person can write that check, done. But I'll tell you this. What profit will there be Mark 8, 36, if a man even owns the whole world but loses his own soul, I believe we've already won the soul. She's already saved. I believe we've already gotten her out of the pit of the hell. Of hell. We just have to have this 198,000 for God to continue his work in this church. Would you pray for us? Pray for protection as we continue to travel. We'll, we'll still be traveling here in a few, in a few months. And pray for... Uh, Provision of good health for me and my wife, Christine, and partners to see this beautiful ministry in the Philippines and partner with us, knowing that when we all get to heaven, you will see who you prayed for. You will see the sacrifices you made for giving to the Lord. Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we can celebrate you in and through our lives. There are so many people dying without Jesus Christ around us. But we thank you, God, for giving us that hope that the world needs to know right now. 
And thank you for Southside Baptist Church catching that hope and bring that gospel wherever we are. I pray God your blessing to be upon our time together as we decide for you, Jesus. As I call Pastor Lucas up here in the, in the stage to continue with the invitation. May your, your leading open us to respond according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.